Welcome back to another edition of Occupy Interviews. Our guest this week is Brandon Turbeville. Say hello, Brandon. Hey, Jerry. How are you? Hey, I'm really doing great. It's good to hear your voice again. Brandon, you're with us. I believe this is your third show, fourth show, if we include the one where I didn't get the record button last year, as opposed, of course, to the time that I was an idiot and didn't get the record button this year. And let's hope I don't do that again. Uh, we're wanting to talk about Occupy, Road to Damascus. Uh, you've got a new book out. I found it interesting that uh, the old legend of the Road to Damascus is, goes way back. The Road to Damascus doesn't necessarily, by the legend, lead to where you think it's going to go. And we'll make some links on that. And we'll get back to that to circularize the story when we get ready to leave. Uh, but please, tell us about the book. Uh, Fascinating to hear you've been doing really good work on it so far. Well, thanks. Uh, the, the new book is called The Road to Damascus, the Anglo-American Assault on Syria. And I would really encourage people to pick it up, especially if you're uh, slightly aware of the situation that's occurring in Syria, because uh, the book is 566 pages of 900 pages. It, it really breaks down the, uh, the history of this, or the recent history of this crisis that's taking place in Syria. It also it tells you the players, who is involved, who is controlling the, uh, the, the rebels, aka the death squads, which is what I will, I will refer to them as, because that's what they are. It also goes into the chemical weapons attack, which are uh, entirely either completely fabricated or they are the work of the death squads not the Assad government. It will also, uh, the, the book also goes through the history of controlled social movement, of uh, color revolutions and destabilization, and uh, it, it'll take you through that. And that's important because you'll see how these social movements are controlled, either either whether, whether they're infiltrate, infiltrated or they're controlled from the very beginning. So it, it will show you how that works so you, know, you don't fall for it. And, uh, and the last report that tells you exactly who is, it, who is controlling the death squad, which is essentially Al-Qaeda, right? And you can, you can consider Al-Qaeda to be the CIA Arab Legion. I have a chapter in the book entitled that, because you need to understand that these, uh, these individuals are not, um, not the organic group of people who come together to fight America, the great state. These individuals are actually organized, funded, trained, armed, and deployed by the CIA, by MI6, by uh, French intelligence, by NATO, essentially. That's what I refer to as the Anglo-American uh, network, right? So the same thing that Carol Whitley talked about when he said the Anglo-American establishment. And you can throw in the Germans and the Israelis into that as well. The puppet states, the client states, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and uh, and a few others. So uh, that's essentially, in a nutshell, what the book is about. And I encourage everybody to go check it out. Let me me inject just a program note here. When we spoke to you last year, uh, part of what we were talking about was you were trying to get a warning across to us in the Occupy movement that because of what, because of the way that infiltration and uh, specifically Delphi um, was used, 
Uh, we should be on the lookout for infiltration. That was an excellent warning. <laughs> we, we've, uh, we've got hard food pretty well, um, but we live in occupied still resist. Can you talk a little bit about that? Is this Delphi again? Well, in, in the sense of, of, of the Syrian crisis, it's not Delphi because uh, Delphi essentially comes in and hijacks the movement that's already there. In the case of Occupy, Occupy, uh, except the, you know, the, the few of you that survived and, and avoided it, Occupy got hijacked uh, by, by Adbusters and George Soros and a couple of others, uh, big foundations and organizations and so forth. But in the case of the Syrian uh, death squads, these are these are Al Qaeda, right? Very early on, it was it was I guess you could call it peaceful protest, right? This was like the first day, but that's uh, it, it's virtually so small in terms of just time period that you can't really count that. Right? As soon as protests went out, the snipers came out. The snipers came out and started shooting. Uh, security forces, they started shooting men, women, and children. People were on their way to the grocery store, to work, to school. They were just getting shot randomly by death squads. Again, uh, there, there's a difference between Delphi and coming into, say, a protest movement where they're occupied, tea parties, or some other, some other social movement, and infiltrating it and, and, and turning it away from its original goal. In the Syrian situation, where there is a group of people who are organized from the very start for the purpose that they uh, that they sow, right, for the disease that they sow, which is in this case violence, death, destruction, destabilization. Um, these these organizations have existed. You can actually go back to the 1970s if you want to talk about Al Qaeda, right? If you want to go back to the 1970s, that's the great the big new Brzezinski. When he went to Afghanistan to create Al Qaeda or to have a hand in creating Al Qaeda to allegedly fight against the Soviets, and he admits now that they created that before the Soviets invaded. Um, we controlled them then, and we control them now. There's no difference. Right? We 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 are openly arming these people. We controlled them in Libya. We controlled them. Uh, we actually controlled them in Iraq. We controlled uh, we controlled them every year in between. As well, that's important to understand because we have the anniversary of 9/11 coming up, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but I would invite the listeners to uh, to ask themselves the question: If we if we controlled Al Qaeda in 1978 and we controlled Al Qaeda in 2013, what makes you think that we didn't control Al Qaeda in 2001? But when you speak about death um, squads, for instance, you can look at uh, Robert Ford who is uh, currently actually being considered as an ambassador to Egypt, and we hope that doesn't happen because uh, where Robert Ford goes, the death squads uh, are sure to follow. Uh, Robert Ford was the, the protege of John Negroponte. John Negroponte was uh, the ambassador to um, Honduras back in the uh, late 80s with the death squads, the Nicaraguan death squads, the Honduran death squads, Salvador death squads. This is where we get the term the Salvador option. The death squads that went around executing political prisoners, uh, executing government you know, government soldiers or, or opposition soldiers or just intimidating locals. Uh, his protege, he, he also became, uh, he worked in Iraq. His protege there was Robert Ford, and that's where Robert Ford learned the technique of the death squads, where we created death squads of, of Shiite militiamen 
who would go out and attack the Sunnis in order to sow discord and break up the opposition to U.S. forces. Are any of these guys... Robert Ford... Oh, go, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Robert Ford became the ambassador to Syria shortly thereafter, and as the ambassador to Syria, he, he controlled, uh, he, he helped organize death squads there as well. That's why he got kicked out of Syria, because he was going around cavorting with the terrorists. Uh, who were who were killing uh, innocent people in the streets? He was helping organize them. He was actually there was a ban placed on his travel because it was too much of a liability for the safety of the Syrian people. And he defied his travel ban and went around taking pictures with death squads. Eventually, he got sent back. Now they want to send them to Egypt. Are you seeing a tie-in anywhere to there was a Operation uh, Phoenix Phoenix program during Vietnam, which was assassination? I've seen some articles talking about a resurgence of the Phoenix program. Um, is there a tie-in here that you're seeing? Yeah, it's very similar. Right? You have Operation Phoenix, and then you have the, the death squad situation in uh, South America in the late 80s, which is where it, where it popped up there. So it's, it's a very similar um, tactic, although it's not entirely the same, because um, these guys are actually being used as and is an invading force, right? Not necessarily to just target uh, you know, people who are targeting political dissidents or political prisoners and so forth or uh, opposition forces. They are doing that, but they they are acting as an invading army. They're acting as a as an actual military force, um, and this works for for the Anglo-Americans. So one thing you have, you don't have to use your military, right? You can leave from behind. You can let death squads bring down Libya, you can let them bring down Syria, and you don't actually have to put your hands in. Now, that's changing a little bit in Syria, and it did a little bit in Libya towards the end, but uh, the, other, the other benefit is that if you want to create a state like what Brzezinski has called the uh, microstate and empty state, so that if you create a state which is so small uh, and so impotent that it could never stand up to a big corporation, to, a, to another big government, uh, this works for uh, geopolitical assertions, uh, this works for, uh, you know, uh, imperialism, it makes these states to where they can't stand up. Now, if you have these death squads, all you have to do is look at them and tell that they are incapable of running a country. They can't run their own unit. They can't come together in order to fight, uh, co you know, coordinated in a different fashion to go out and uh, actually function as a military force. They're, uh, and, and I don't mean this necessarily just in the pejorative sense, but they're, they're too stupid to do this. A lot of them can't read. A lot of them can't think for themselves. Some of them are borderline retardation level. And they, they simply can't function as a ruling, uh, a ruling government, as a ruling class, because they're, they're inept. And with this situation, they could never form a government that could legitimately stand up to the United States, to Britain, France, NATO, or the Anglo-American. Can we, uh, we're about uh, 15 minutes into the show, meaning we've got about 45 left. Achilles, did you have anything you wanted to throw in here? Uh, well, I agree pretty much with everything he just said, so <laughs> as far as, uh, the only thing I would say is it's a dangerous assumption to assume that we have absolute control of over all these forces, and it is true. When we first started, Maktab al-Kadamat was funded by the CIA. Osama bin Laden used it as a front organization 
to create Al-Qaeda. But I think over the years we have lost a sort of control of these elements which have become what they now call Mahdi's, modest. Which, uh, eh, Al-Mahdi means something close to redeemers or rightly guided ones. And according to Islamic Hadiths, what they believe is the end time, they are the ones who will make the whole world Muslim before the end time. I believe this certain element is not under our control. And we can find many of these strong elements within a Jabal al-Nurza front in Turkey. Uh, let's see, Jaysh al-Mahdi in Iraq. It's a Kurja Jamaat al-Mahdi in Kurdistan, Jaysh al-Mahdi in Syria. So, I mean, there's an underground movement we do not have control over, and I think this has a very profound impact on how we're responding to these situations, because I think these financiers trying to create this pseudo-state of expeditionary forces are afraid of this, which is why we want to pummel them in Syria and gain leverage to take them out and obviously the rest of the Middle East, because we've lost control. We've lost control of elements. So it's a that's a really good point that you brought up, and again, it dovetails with what Brandon mentioned that uh, tragedy and hope. Professor Carol Quigley talked about these tactics, and again, he wrote this book back in 1965. The pattern we seem repeating over and over. Yeah. Um, Brandon, did you want to throw anything in on that? Yeah. Well, that's um, true. That there's there is a, a small element though of uh, sort of a loose cannon possibility. But I would I would suggest too that if you look at the uh, Mahdi fighters in Iraq, for instance, those were actually created by Negroponte. That's what these that's how they came into existence. This is uh, the U.S. State Department and, and so forth. They help create these guys. Um, there is a sentiment that's there, but this is uh, this is controlled by the U.S. State Department, by these various different organizations, front organizations. And uh, we have that, that situation in Iraq that were created to divide the opposition. Of course, they'll pop up elsewhere where they're uh, where they're also controlled by uh, double agents. And CIA assets, whether or even the thought assets. To be honest, they, they've actually managed to do that and show you the uh, intellectual level of that's what. But um, so, so, so that's how I was. Uh, like Zakari, for that. instance, so, is what you're referring to. Um, in theory. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, what? I didn't hear you. Oh, I was referring to. That? I was referring to Zakari in Iraq. Who was working as a double agent for Iran and the United States with Sadar to offset American forces and gain more funds for their forces in Iraq, but make it seem like a justified war? We ended up nabbing them in '05. I can't remember exactly when we got them. Off the top of my head. Yeah, but I would. Yeah, these, these guys are are completely dispensable. That's, that's the thing. They um, they, they serve. There's, there's plenty of them, or there were at the time until uh, Assad got a hold of them. But there's, there's plenty of them, and uh, they, they're quite dispensable when the when the time fits, when it's when it's necessary to get rid of them and move on to, to something else. So uh, you know, these I wouldn't focus too much on one guy. I mean, that. Um, Al Alok, right, who had a lot of influence over uh, various terrorist uh, fighters and, and, and people, even even the guy uh, who was in contact with Al Alok. This is somebody who had uh, considerable sway with these uh, with these fighters, but he was killed by a drone. So uh, 
for one kind of reason, these people occasionally need to be liquidated for, uh, for intelligence purposes. And uh, the car is just one of them. About uh, 43 minutes left in the show. I'd like to go ahead and run us through. There'll be several of the articles that you wrote with Axis Post. Um, we'll have links up to those. I'd like to start with the one that you had dated uh, the 14th, May 14th, Syrian rebel eats soldier's heart. Um, this guy is paid for by us. This is our side. This is Al-Qaeda. What is this? Yes, it's a state of cannibalism here. We have Abu Sakar. That is, that is the name of him, and I don't, I don't quite remember the name of his brigade. There's so many of them that, that come down. But this guy, he, he killed a Syrian soldier and, and made a video, and he told everyone that uh, this is what will happen to you. Uh, we will eat your hearts and your livers. And he reaches down with a butcher knife or a hunting knife, whatever, cuts the heart out of the shoulder, picks it up for the camera to see, and uh, then bites into it. So these are the guys that we're funding. These are the guys that we're sending weapons to. These are the guys that we're sending, uh, are you know, intelligence to. We're sending other kinds of support. We're actually holding their hand in some some instances with uh, special forces troops on the ground, and um, yeah, this is indeed paid for. His, his little snack was paid for by the U.S. State Department, and uh, these are the people that were going to go in and bomb the Assad government to support. If you want to see what, what Syria will look like after Assad is gone, take a look at Abu's car. This is exactly what it will look like. The, the incredible part of this to me is if, if they're trying to play this off as I assume they're acting like this is part of mainline Muslim religion. Uh, I just don't see this as being part of mainline Muslim religion. Are you seeing anything on that, either one of you guys? Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not part of the mainline Muslim religion at all. I mean, if you talk to uh, the, the average Muslim, this is about as, as, as far from this stuff as you can get. They don't like these people either. I mean, look at, um, you can, all you have to do is talk to some actual Syrians and, and find out whether they're Muslim or not, that they, that they are terrified of these people. Uh, even the ones who don't like Assad, for legitimate reasons, have realized that these are not the people there's been a concerted effort in this country to portray uh, Muslims as all being fanatical, uh, beheading, you know, uh, rapists and, and violent extremists, and that's, that's not the case. That's, that's just propaganda, that's war propaganda, the same as the Japanese and Germans being animals and, and, and whoever else we're fighting at the time being uh, you know, violent attitudes and so forth. But this is, Typical war propaganda. I would invite people to uh, actually go get some websites out there. There's the uh, Syrian Perspective web website, and then there's they have Facebook pages. I think there's on Twitter. Um, the Syrian girl, for instance. Uh, actually, get a real Syrian perspective that doesn't come from, for instance, CNN, who provides you with Syria Danny coordinate gunfire and bombs in the background, or maybe gay girl in the masses, maybe gay more girl more in the masses, and and uh, and these sorts of things. So yeah, it's, it's about as far from real as long as you can get. Achilles, I I got a question for you on this because you're better on the Middle East. Much more there. 
the, uh, the, the eating the heart thing, was there any possible psychological warfare reason for them to be doing that that you can think of from their point of view that that would be good tactics or what well, What do you think that was? The tactic goes along with what they've been using is what they think is their primary motivator which is fear. So that's how they, they control their troops the same way as they control most of the people of the region which is fear and chaos. That's their OP. So on the front of it someone was trying to assert, uh, assert authority because they were losing control of some of their troops. So I mean we've seen we've seen stuff like this in Iraq where they've they've literally vivisected people and stapled them to walls for the same reasons. So I mean it was this was publicized. <laughs> so not a religious thing at all. It's a oh, no, I mean not, this is kind of like I mean you can really compare a lot of this to like World War II or any of the crazy power mongers in history. This is about power from their perspective, and then from our perspective it's about power. Well, from the corrupt guys who are bankers, <laughs> whoever's paying them and yeah. using them. Yeah, the background players, to them it's about power. So, I mean, in the end, it's all, they just want control and power. Their methodology is horrible, as we see it. But they're just really, they're using Islam as a catalyst, something to hide behind and use extremism to their advantage. And it really works because that region is, you know, heavily populated by Muslims. So it causes the chaotic atmosphere and the distrust and the suspicion that they need to thrive. And I, I, mean, I guess and these horrible the acts, upshot of the whole... Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, these horrible acts play right into their hands. That's why they pull them off like that. That's why they posted it on YouTube. <laughs> I, I really... I know it sounds naive, but I, I really did... I was wanting to kind of get some understanding because it just really struck me as so far out of... I couldn't see the purpose, but if it's terrorism to control their own side, well, that makes sense. And it may be so far from their religion that it's absolutely horrifying, more than just terrifying. Um, I, I'd love to explore that more, but I'd like to move on to your uh, the next article that you go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, if I can just make one comment. She's, Please. She's right when and we're back. We had a technical difficulty, <laughs> which is really a big part of the Occupy interview experience. Brandon, you're still with us. Achilles, you're still with us. Uh, can we take off where we were? Achilles, do you remember where we were when we... Uh, Brandon was just about to make a good point, I believe, and then it killed out. But I scrambled my brain after that because I was trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you still there, Brandon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm still here. Well, we were talking about the um, Abu Sakar, the, the heart-eating episode, and, and, and how that relates to Islam, right? And I was trying to point out that, uh, no, it's, it's, it's not Islam. It is, it, it's just an attempt to uh, terrify people, to, to, keep, uh, to keep people in line also, especially your victims, right? If you know you're going up against uh, a cannibal, then, uh, you know, who wants, to, who wants to face something like that? And it's the same thing as... You know, Vlad the Impaler putting heads and dead bodies up on spikes uh, for, for the enemy to see. It's a, it's a terrorist technique. It's just a, a, a manner to inflict fear in, in your enemy. But to give you an example of how these guys are, are, are part of Islam, right, how, how they have such a great grasp on, on, on their religion, they will, uh, they will often, when they come into a village that they've uh, taken over or overrun, which is uh, rare, rarer and rarer these days, because Assad is, again, he's, he's handling that pretty well, uh, they would come into a village, they could find women, and uh, instead of rape, 
what they would do is get a temporary marriage permit. And uh, what what this is is you get you, you find the women and you can marry this woman for a day, a night, um, a couple of hours, one hour, whatever you need. And it's it's your marriage permit. Of course, it's it's great, uh, but it's only temporary. So you don't actually have to uh, have any duties to the woman. You basically can go in, have your fun for an hour, and then turn her loose. And the next guy behind you can also get a temporary marriage permit. No, that's not that's not in the Quran. No, as I can tell. No, I don't. No Muslims that I know of have ever mentioned it or think that that's uh, natural or acceptable. So this is just you know another example of how. These are fundamentalists. That's what they are. They're insane. They're sadists. They're psychopaths. They're um, intellectual. They're inferior. They're, they're absolute. Uh, some of them are, are borderline retarded. But they're all fundamentalists. The uh, the average Muslim is is very far removed from this. So well, I think that's the point I was trying to make. Yeah, and I I appreciate that because it's, my. It's really hard to fathom what we were looking at. I mean, it, it really struck me that there must be a reason, but it, I sure couldn't see it. And this does kind of okay. Well, this makes I can I can kind of see it now. Uh, we've only got uh, oh 20, 30, 30 minutes plus. Uh, can we move on to the? We're gonna throw a link up from uh, Road to Road to Damascus took an ugly turn on uh, your article on the Stefan. Uh, August 7th, new death squad massacre reported. Was that kind of the start of a, the real push is on at that point, Brandon? Uh, could, you, could you repeat the, uh, the title of it here? It was the, uh, the article you did on the 7th, new death squad massacre reported. And, uh, and again, there's been many, many, many massacres. I'm seeing body count of 100,000. That sound right? Well, yeah. The, the UN has, has uh, numbered the, uh, the the amount of death at 100,000. Of course, our media is attributing all of those to Assad, uh, but uh, many of them were the death squads. Of course, there's also been some, some damage from from combat. These people are getting caught in crossfire. If, uh, if artillery shell goes off, unfortunately, uh, innocent people get caught in that. Uh, that's why they're the source of violence. I'm not exactly sure because I don't have the articles in front of me. I'm just kind of sitting here at the bare table. Uh, but, and, uh, which, which massacre it was, there's been so many that I can't keep up with. Uh, well, then it, it looked like two weeks later, you did an article on the 21st, uh, new chemical weapons attack in Syria. And this is when it really got wild and woolly on the propaganda frontier. Uh, can you bring us up to date from that point? Yeah, there's. Uh, I assume you're talking about the uh, the recent chemical weapons attack in uh, the Gaza region uh, that was, of course, blamed on Assad immediately. Right, it's actually a headline. And we're back again. We had a dropout. The internet gods are not with us on this program. Uh, can we kind of try and take off? We were talking about the uh, chemical weapons attack, and that started this new push. Uh, Brandon, can you go ahead there? Yeah, I, I was mentioning the uh, the recent chemical attack in the uh, Gusa region in, uh, in, in Syria that was immediately blamed on Assad by the Western media when it came out. I mean, I think I remember seeing a headline on the flashy that essentially said Assad kills 1,400 
in Syria with chemical weapons. I mean, it was, it was absolutely before any uh, real information had come out. But uh, I, I would point out that the, uh, the source of that information, at least according to William Ingall, was Al Arabiya. Right? This is um, what the Russian uh, gentleman Lukashevich referred to as biased regional media, and it is. It's, it's absolutely controlled by the Saudis, and of course the Saudis are not in, uh, impartial in this situation by any means. They've been acting as a, the funnel and the filter for money going to the death squad for some time. But this is how it was portrayed, right? And then we have Harry coming out with this ridiculous uh, statement, this uh, uh, Colin Powell 2.0 uh, uh, hyped up uh, sort of phrase works whenever he gives his speech saying that we don't know that chemical weapons have been used, but if they've been used, we know Assad did it. What kind of sense does that make? So, um, so, so we have all of that, but it, it, it's absolutely uh, ridiculous to believe that this was Assad, right? Uh, for instance, this, this happens uh, for one of the most obvious reasons. Assad is winning. Why would Assad use chemical weapons? If he was, if he was going to use chemical weapons, why wouldn't he have used them to begin with when he was seriously under assault? Why now, after all the red line talk from Obama, Gary, why now? It's the worst possible time. Not only that, why would he deploy chemical weapons as soon as UN weapons inspectors come into Syria and check into a hotel to be blocked away? Um, Assad has a reputation for being clever. This is, unless he just woke up that morning and took a big giant stupid deal, I don't believe that, a, that Assad is going to fall for something like this. I, I don't think that he's that, uh, that crazy. Um, so you also have to look at the information that, that's coming out. That where did we get this, uh, this information that there's been a chemical weapons attack and 1,400 people have been killed? Well, we got that again. Al Arabiya was one of the first ones to put that out. But where did they get it? They got it from the death. You can read the reports. Whenever you hear activist day, you can translate that to mean death squad day. Right? They're taking information from activists to say that 1,400 people have been killed. In other words, the Syrian rebels, the Syrian death squad said that 1,400 people have been killed. Well, if the death squad says that 1,400 people have been killed, they've obviously killed 1,400 people, right? That's absurd. Um, this is where they're getting their information. This is what gets repeated back and forth in the, uh, in the Western media. So, again, why in God's name would, uh, would Assad do this? Um, the uh, Syrian soldiers, actually, uh, many of them had, had some kind of sickness from, from whatever this was. We're not sure if it's Syrian or if it was some other kind of homemade uh, chemical, which is just what it looks like. We've got video uh, of, of, of the death squads firing these homemade uh, chemical weapons into cities. And I, I would also point out that we, we have zero evidence. We, we've had uh, three chemical weapons attacks. I put that in quotes. Three chemical weapons attacks in Syria. We have zero evidence that Assad, Assad is guilty for any of those things. Any of them. Zero evidence. But we have numerous videos of the death squad not only threatening to use chemical weapons, saying that they possess chemical weapons, but actually testing them on video. We have video of them using them, of firing them from artillery cannons. Um, you know, if there's a red line with chemical weapons, then, uh, you know, we know who the culprit is on this. 
but even some of the more mainstream experts have been have been coming out and saying this, this whole uh, chemical weapons attack in Utah is just is just unreasonable. Right? You have Charles Lister uh, from IHS James Harrison Center said it was completely illogical. You have uh, Frank Gardner from uh, the BBC. Uh, this is this is odd. We have Swedish experts saying that uh, that it doesn't make any sense. And of course, the Russians too have come out and, and stated how um, how backwards this, uh, this information is. Uh, the Russians have actually submitted a report regarding the last chemical weapon attack, which was uh, showing that it was not a thought. Uh, of course, it was uh, This is not what you hear in the Western media. The, uh, you, can, you can actually trace this stuff back uh, since uh, what happened in Libya. Uh, you can actually trace back a lot of chemical weapons coming from the death squad to uh, the fall of Libya. It was the Libyan Islamic fighting group, the terrorist death squad that was used to overthrow Gil Gaddafi, were, were coming over to Syria to fight. Because the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of the Syrian death squads are not Syrian, they're, they're foreign. Uh, whether they're Saudi Arabian, uh, Pakistani, uh, Libyan, that seems to be interesting and popular. Uh, they brought these chemical weapons over. We have numerous instances of the death squads overrunning chemical weapons facilities uh, and, and taking uh, chemical weapons munitions. Out of there, we have, uh, again, numerous instances of seeing the, the death squads create chemical weapons, mix them, mix them together. Um, we've had people look at the, uh, the types of chemical weapons that have been used and said it has the hallmarks of death squads because it was what they were mixing with what they, they had possessed. These were not military grade. Uh, there was just unbelievable amounts of evidence that the, uh, that the Assad government is completely innocent in this situation. And there's also over, overwhelming, well, I would say there's absolutely, um, uh, you know, a great amount of evidence pointing to the death case. Kelly, do you want to throw something in there? Hello? Yeah, hello. You okay. want to throw something in there? Uh, yeah, sorry, the quality keeps jumping around, so I had a hard time hearing what he said right at the end there. Uh, well, the psychological per profile on Assad is that he's extraordinarily intelligent. I mean, you might not see it in Western media, but this guy isn't going to chemically attack one of his own cities. That's completely stupid. So, I mean, right off the bat, anyone knows anything about how it works over there. They know he's not going to do that. If he was going to use a chemical weapon, he would use it on one of the terrorist training camps that oppose him and support the rebels that are, like, the border of Lebanon or something like that. He's definitely not going to use it in a city, because that would do exactly what's happening right now, which would cause Western intervention, which is the last thing he wants, because he'll end up on a noose or in a hole. As for the rebels, the Russians, Putin, he put his own investigation forward, and he's found a lot of evidence, as already mentioned, that uh, the rebels were responsible for it because it was homemade mixed around. It wasn't as sophisticated as a state infrastructure would support in chemical weaponry. Uh, there was a lot of specific groups like the Baha'i and Nurza Front and affiliated agents and agencies. I mean, you can actually backtrack where all, where all this happened. The derivatives of where the weapons came from, though, were from the Assad regime.
And I think that's how the Western media is trying to tie it to him. So you have to look at what happened to those weapons. Because if they were stolen from the Assad regime, he's not going to admit to it. Because that'll make him look weak. And over there, that's that's a no-go. So he'll hold that secret. <laughs> he'll hold that secret. But at the same time, we can use that against him because it has the same chemical components as his other chemical weapons. So he's kind of in a catch-22. Because he didn't use the weapons, but they were stolen from him and used them against the civilian population. This definitely has a feeling of covert operations to me. Brandon, back to you again. Yeah, so you uh, you, you wanted to uh, discuss the uh, threat for emails, right? This is something that was uh, apparently dug up by some hackers, released by WikiLeaks, I believe. And this, this was a threat for the military uh, industrial complex firm. These emails tended to, uh, they said that there were special forces organizations working on the ground inside Syria, and that these were the U.S., U.K., and France, and uh, they were working on reconnaissance missions and so forth. But either way, the, the idea was that special forces, uh, soldiers from the West, were working on the ground inside Syria. Now, of course, that's, that's exactly what's happening. That, that email has been proven essentially to, to be the case because I did another article called Western Special Forces Working with Death Squads in Syria where I kind of went through this and uh, and some of the uh, some of the, the the forces that were that were involved. Uh, we have the British for one thing, we have the British report just came out recently. And they have the special reconnaissance regiment, MI six, special boat service, the SAS all working inside Syria. Now, they're, they're claiming that the only thing that they're doing is trying to locate ammunition depots, uh, missiles, and aircraft weaponry, and so forth, in order to destroy it when we when we launch an attack. But uh, there, there might be the case. It might be the case that there's many more of them working and doing different things. Uh, so we've we've also got um, the French. The French have been operating in this area as well. We have the uh, way back, this is way back, but only uh, uh, only a couple years, where we had the uh, 13 French military officers who were actually acting as mercenaries and, and death squad participants. They were captured by the Syrian government. Right? This, this, uh, this was at the same time that the Western media was reporting these uh, this, this violence that was taking place in Syria as peaceful protests. <laughs> Did I lose you? Oh, there you are. Go ahead. Are we still going? Yep, looking good. Yeah, so uh, these uh, French military officers, officers were apparently turned back into the French forces as a uh, as, as political uh, favor. It can't be the grant political favor, I guess, to the French because God knows how it would have been. Uh, Fun had Assad captured these guys and imprisoned them. So um, we we also had uh, Debka file from, from the Israeli news agency that has close contacts in the intelligence community announcing that we had uh, British and Qatari troops yeah, on the ground inside Syria. Okay, are you still there, Brandon? I'm still here. I, well, I keep I've, hearing something in the background. Like well, I'm in a pretty noisy studio. That's the background noise you're hearing. 
Um, okay. So the actual screenshot, when it came back up, that came from the article from Infowars, uh, was supposedly taken from that Stratfor, and it's actually a real short, uh, appears to be an email talking about they got permission from the United States to go ahead with the contract, and they didn't think it was a good idea to do this, because. but since the money was so good, they were going to have to take a serious look at it. You're talking about the Britom. Yes, Britom. yes. Yeah, that's, a, that's a different one. That's, uh, that's the emails that came through from Britom that were, were, were acquired by uh, German hackers and, and released. This, this essentially said that they were going to release chemical weapons inside Syria and that they had, um, that the money was being put up by the Saudis and supported by the United States. They were going to use a chemical uh, weapon with a warhead, it was a Soviet area, uh, sorry, a Soviet era G shell uh, that was similar to the ones that Assad used, and that they were going to deploy uh, Russian personnel that, that, that spoke the, the language to take video, right? Essentially, a stage of false flag attack. They were going to blow up these chemical weapons, uh, take video of it, and blame Assad. And uh, the, the guy that was sending the email was saying that he didn't think it was necessarily a good idea, but the amounts proposed were enormous. Right, so this is, uh, this is saying something to begin with, that there were many plans for false flag attacks. Right? They also had a plan that was revealed uh, before this even, where it suggested that they were going to uh, stage a chemical weapons attack. They were going to give chemical weapons to the death squad, let them deploy them, and then they were going to uh, send in ambulances. But these ambulances, even though they had uh, Syrian people's relief spray painted on the side of them, they were actually going to be fitted as armored personnel carriers. They were going to carry uh, troops, armed troops, and they were going to come in and they were going to form a buffer zone inside Syria. That was a plan that was released as well. Uh, so all of this stuff, uh, all of these uh, false flag plans that we saw revealed, they revolved around chemical weapons, and we've seen, again, the, the, the two previous chemical weapons attacks were clearly the death squads, and then we have the uh, Gupta uh, chemical weapons attack, which which just happened a few weeks ago, which is this latest round of, of propaganda, uh, but that was perpetrated on death squads as well. So it's, it's just a trend that we're seeing. And I, I would remind everybody, if it feels like deja vu, it, it, it is, because it happened in 2003. You know, weapons of mass destruction, chemical weapons. You know, um, this, is, this, is, this is absolutely unbelievable. Um, How anybody could fall for this again. Well, the, again, the, the really interesting part is that you wrote that article on the 23rd. I'm assuming you're as thorough as you usually are. I checked your link so sometime after august 23rd they just someone miraculously has uh has the strap has the email screenshot disappear and not just that article but an article that linked to it again from great britain it disappeared uh maybe one's a coincidence two is really kind of getting into astronomical here as far as what kind of a Aaron, cover-up seems to be going on to keep this truth from getting back out. Achilles, anything? Hopefully you're still there. Achilles! Hello? Hey, uh, hey. I'm not going to make any promises on how good this recording is. <laughs> well, 
we'll so can see you, what we see. <laughs> so can you repeat the question? Uh, the question again was, uh, this was basically current events that seems to be sources dropping out because Brandon probably on the 23rd checked his link. So sometime after August 23rd, uh, when this email popped up in an InfoWars article, it disappears. And also there's a, again, we'll have the link, but there's the, uh, in Great Britain, the Daily Mail, an article linking back to it disappeared. We do have the archive links that we'll have up. Uh, just wondered if you had any thoughts. Uh, we've got about 10 minutes left. Oh, uh, well, really, he went over it pretty well from what I could hear. It was, um, this is pretty much a standard OP of the people we're dealing with here, because clearly, as he pointed out, that this isn't especially an isolated Middle Eastern element. <laughs> and the Western, well, to the best of our knowledge, the Western elements involved, of course, to them, it's about power, usurping power, control, money, finances. Well, they have their fingers in all the intelligence agencies, everything else. We can see this developing in our culture, how they're responding to this terrorist threat, how they try to push through the NDAA, etc., etc. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not particularly surprised by this. Uh, it's kind of foolish how they're playing their hands. They're coming more out in the open. By doing things like this, they're kind of tipping their hands. But I think they're getting to the point, their arrogance is to the point where they don't think they can be stopped. Which kind of ominous because then they're getting close to their goal. At least that's what I'm asserting. <laughs> is that if they're starting to get loose like this, they're starting to make some stupid plays, it's because they're confident that they're going to be able to pull off whatever they're going to pull off. Does that seem to be what you're seeing too, Brandon? Yeah, I think they are confident that they can pull it off. I mean, even though that the uh, that the American people, I, I would not necessarily say, I, I think the American people in general are, do not want this war, right? I think a lot of apathy is involved with that as well. Um, it's just the fact that they can get 29% of the population to actually support it, that just, that just proves, I mean, my God, you could get 20% of the population currently believes that George W. Bush was a good president. So... I automatically write off 20% of the population to begin with. They still believe that in on a different planet. But uh, the fact is that they don't seem to care. Right? There is a level of propagandizing that's going on now um, that's probably going to bring that, uh, that level up. We even have Lindsey Graham. I'm here in South Carolina. We have Lindsey Graham as a senator. I apologize to all of you for that. Um, I did what I could, you know, but I'm the only one person stuff. Uh, he's actually out telling people right now that if we don't attack Syria, then Iran is going to blow up a nuclear bomb in the Charleston Harbor. Don't, uh, so, you know, I'm not making that up. He's actually saying that. if we don't bomb Syria, Iran will think we're going to blow up. They're going to blow up a nuclear bomb in Charleston Harbor. That's um, ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because Iran's saying the exact opposite. Because you know, I would, uh, they're gonna... you know, I would hope that this does not happen, but I would worry about some kind of uh, event happening in the United States if the American people don't get on board soon enough. Some, some event does, does not happen in the United States to galvanize support for an attack on Syria and this apparent third world war that might result from it. Um, we'll have a but, link. You know, I hope that, We'll have a link to the Reuters poll that shows that third. And interestingly enough, uh, if you go back to the American Revolution, basically those numbers are about the same as we'd see from 
Tom Jefferson and Tom Payne saying basically it comes down to one third that's uh, going to be a Tory on that war, meaning they're always going to be against it for the king. One third that's rebel, not going to support the king. And then everything seems to be the swing vote on that third in between, which goes whoever's winning. So it would really be nice if the guys with the white hats win this one. I've uh, got about uh, nine minutes left and wanted to touch base again on, once again, that legend, legend of the road to Damascus that doesn't lead to where you think it would. 